Hi everyone, it's Andre from Mental Health and I'm here with Alison at the Refocus on Recovery Conference. Alison, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, I'm a survivor researcher and I work freelance, do lots of different things. I've had experience, personal experience of using mental health services. And I think one of the key points you made was around giving people with mental health difficulties mm. the space and the yeah. time to tell their story. Why is that important? Um, well, definitely. I've, I've, I've been listening as well to other people at the conference saying some similar things. I think very often we don't get the chance to really tell our stories um, when we come into contact with mental health services because quite often there are specific questions that are being asked that enable the practitioner to sort of reach a decision about treatment and a diagnosis. And I think the space to have... The space to tell our stories is just so... It's a, it's a part of human life. I mean, I think we all want to um, share our stories with different people. It is a natural part of human life, I think. Um, I mean, not for everybody, perhaps, but I think that this particularly is important with um, people using mental health services because it's sort of a way of challenging your own um, experience, also a stigma and discrimination. I think people have the opportunity to realise they're not alone. Um, Many years ago I did some research for the Mental Health Foundation called Strategies for Living, and one of the things that kept coming through those interviews was um, the first time that I met somebody else who'd also heard voices or also had that experience of being in hospital or whatever it was, and that has always stayed with me. That has always resonated with me because it was true for me too. You know, knowing that other people had had this, other had shared this particular experience, meant that I was not alone with it. When I first self-harmed when I was a teenager, I honestly believed that I was the only person who did it. I, it's hard to believe that now. You know, it really is hard to believe that now, but I really did. I thought other people who were cutting themselves were killing themselves, were trying to kill themselves. And I didn't realise that self-harm was a strategy that many people were using. So I guess that that, for me, is the importance of being able to find that fellowship in shared stories, shared experiences, having the space to tell your story and to explore your story and the meaning that it has for you. This is a very long answer to your question because I, I have thought about it a lot. And I think... You know, it gives us the chance to sort of situate our experiences in relation to other people and other people's experiences. It's just so, so important. Your talk was really about peer support and the kind of Mm. inconvenient complications, as you put it. Mm. Um, So currently in the NHS, peer support workers... Um, are, are people with lived experience of mental illness that's kind of what we've ended up with mm-hmm. um, and so you know if you go along with uh, anxiety disorders you, you might have somebody who also mm. has anxiety disorders who's, mm. who's helping mm-hmm. you but for many people that isn't the kind of peer that they want somebody who's mm. got the same diagnostic mm. you know it's actually more of a shared identity or a shared background that's important mm. and you made that point and I think that was really key for, 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 for people listening so, so how does the current system and current peer support workers mm. work for people who come from, you know, the range of backgrounds that we have. Well, I don't LGBT think they do. I don't or... think they do. I mean, I think, you know, this way of um, adding one peer support worker to a team doesn't work to, to address that. And it's very possible that many people 
may just... I mean, first of all, I think those needs in times of crisis are going to be so different for different people. So it may... The, you know, the fact that you are yourself um, coming from a particular background, whether it's whether you are a person of colour, whether you are um, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, that may or may not be the dominant thing for you at that moment of time, in time in your crisis. But for some people it really is. And because you're potentially going to be up, up against racism, uh, trans homophobia, um, in any relationship, in any place in society, you will inevitably be wondering if that's going to happen in this situation as well. So all services really need to you know, look at those issues anyway. But in peer support, I think, you know, that, that sort of meeting, of meeting of experience is a social... It's as much a social um, connection as it is a medical diagnostic one. I think, you know, I think there are lots of different... So, yes, I don't think peer support work, uh, work necessarily will address that. I think what happens in, in the voluntary sector and in community groups is that groups may be established that will meet those needs specifically and that's where I've seen really really good practice you know where um, a group is set up specifically for um, there's a group uh, Cane Rose which some people will have heard of peer support to inpatient wards started out only offering its services to the black people on the wards the black service users but then actually extended to include white people on the wards as well um, I don't know whether that's the way that they're doing things at the moment but, but they, they realise the need for uh, community connection for people on, in patient wards who are isolated who are struggling to um, uh, you know to, to actually even to get out of hospital and so they you know provided a, a sort of a dedicated service so I think and, and also there are similar experiences I mean I've also come across uh, peer support providing Peer support to to other marginalised communities as well, but otherwise, I'm not sure how well. And I think I think a group is more likely to be able to deal with that than a an individual peer worker on a in a team, where you've got a wider community group. You may have more uh, opportunities to 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 enable people to meet somebody that they that they can relate to. I think there's more opportunity there. Um, but you still need to think about issues of equality and disadvantage, privilege. So, yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of it's an oversimplification, isn't it? But you've got this basic idea that there's this sort of divided path, and on the one mm. fork you've got kind of conventional peer support services that happen in hospitals and mm. mental health trusts, and then on the other fork you've got the kind of community, charity, mm. peer support, which is, as you say, potentially yeah. much more... Um, Financially under threat, but also financially much under more threat and very, very diverse, very yeah. diverse yeah. types of things that can be called peer support in the community voluntary sector are very, you know, they they, they look very, very different, you know, yeah. there are lots of different models and yeah. Ways so, what, of doing how can those? It's not necessarily about bringing those together. Mm. It's about how they can learn from each other, how they mm. can kind of have equal um, kind of impact on the lives of people. Mm. What what are your kind of this is quite depressing. What are your kind of constructive, positive? Yeah. Let's, let's you know bring this together. Well, my, ideally, I mean, I would like to see more modelled along the lines of um, the capital 
Project Trust in West Sussex um, because I think they give a really solid um, community-based um, anchor for that peer support in the community and they provide people, peer support workers to go on to the inpatient wards and that gives a really strong connection. Where you've got a NHS-provided peer support uh, team, then peer support workers, I think um, actually establishing it with reference to what's going on in your local community with, you know, establish it, establish those workers with absolutely with support and training links that connect them with the voluntary sector um, or uh, user-led organisations that are doing peer support in the community, in the locality. There's so many reasons for doing that. I mean, one of the positive reasons is just simply that one of the most vulnerable times for people is when they leave hospital. And if they leave hospital with already uh, peer support that's coming from a community-based group, they've got a connection already with something strong that will... Uh, people that potentially can support them immediately after leaving hospital, if particularly for people who are isolated anyway in their lives. Um, so there's, that's a really good, strong reason for it. But it's also really important to support those peer support workers from a community base, because then they can hold on to... I think they've got a better chance then of holding on to the, to the clarity of role, the, the, the purpose of their position there as a peer support worker... Um, in the Capital Project Trust, they're actually employed by Capital, not by the Trust, which means that um, you know they've got the training and the support from the, the community group. Um, but I can imagine there may be other ways of doing that, but I think that's a really strong way of doing it because it means that it retains that independence, it retains that, that ethos of peer support that I, I, I guess I fundamentally believe in. It strikes me that, <clears throat> you know, of course, out in the field... There's new groups being set up all the mm-hmm. time. So I've just joined a, a new mental health men's group in mm. Bristol, where mm. I live. Um, and it's, it's at that kind of really exciting, oh my God, this is amazing sort of stage. Yeah. And, but it strikes me that that group doesn't have access to support to develop it in yes. the right way. So how, what recommendations would you give to kind of local groups? That yes, to connect get with other local groups. You know, what else is going on in Bristol that will support that group to... Um, you know, to sustain itself, because I think all of these, all, all groups can do that, can connect. There are some voluntary sector organisations that are not, use, you know, necessarily user-led, but are offering that kind of, might be able to offer that kind of support for su- sustainability. Um, some of the work that I've come across through MIND, MIND has been funding peer support over the last few years now, and uh, evaluating it as they go along as well. And um, you know, some of the people, I mean, they've been, it's, it's, it's very often peer support on a bit of a shoestring, but I mean, quite, quite often the, the, the purpose of the way that they fund it is that there is a hub that then supports a number of other groups. So it might be worth finding out if there's some of that going on in your area to sort of connect groups with that can actually then connect with other groups that are doing something similar. There's a kind of a, you know, a potential there for real networking. So it's worth finding out what's going on at Mind and other Organisations that I mean, Mind is not certainly the only one that's doing that, but you know, there's there's quite a lot going on in the peer support world, really. That the NHS um, angle on peer support, I think, very often fails to even see that it's happening. Mm-hmm.